I, I too uh, warmly welcome you to First Baptist Church of Monterey. We're glad you're here today, and we pray that it's a, a blessing to you to be here. That's our prayer. Let's, let's, in fact, open with prayer. Father, we're thankful for this time of worship this morning. It's been a joy to say and sing hallelujah, hallelujah to you. Praise to the Lord for your kindness, for your, your infinitely sweet love. And uh, as that song said, if we could, we could hear in heaven, we'd hear the angels singing, holy, holy, holy to you, Lord God Almighty. You are the creator of heaven and earth. And we rejoice in how great you are and that you love us with a love that rescued us. So we praise you this morning. And we ask right now, oh Lord, that you would encourage each of us. You've composed this congregation for this morning. You've brought us all here by your grace in your miraculous sovereign work. That is a great mystery to us. But here we are by your kindness. You've given us health and ability to be here. And we've come and we have worshipped you, O Lord, in spirit and in truth. And we ask now that you would feed us through your word. You have a message for each and every one of us. And Lord, there will be so many distractions, ways that uh, Satan himself will try to keep us away from hearing what you are saying to us. And so our prayer right now, O Lord, is give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. Through Jesus, we ask this. In the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So, yeah, we are studying in the book of Ephesians. We always go straight through uh, Bible books. Uh, that's been our normal practice. And we're in chapter 4. We're moving into chapter 4. Then there's a pew Bible in front of you if you want to grab that and open uh, to it. We'll be referring to the text that was already read for us by Caitlin uh, so much. I'm entitling it 1G. Imagine that, something better than 5G. <laughs> First generation, the only generation that really matters. And uh, there's a lot of oneness in this passage of Scripture. So we start with Paul. He's the author. He, in the English Bible, the very first word in our text is I. It, it has resonance because back up in verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul said, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. See that in 3.1, 3.1, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. And our text today says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord. So we start with that idea that Paul is he's literally in prison right now. And he's been there for a while. This was a long imprisonment, uh, as much as four years. Part of it was he went, he went to Jerusalem. God directed him to Jerusalem. He was arrested there by the Jewish leaders because he was teaching that Jesus is the Messiah. And for them, that was blasphemous and against their law. And so they held him in jail there. He actually went up the coast a little ways to the jail in Caesarea. And he, he was a Roman citizen. 
So he uh, appealed to Rome. Classic uh, benefit of being a citizen. He could be tried by Rome. And so then he went to Rome. And he's in that process. He's probably, uh, there's some debate. There's a debate about everything, actually, because it's history, and history is debatable, I suppose. But he's in prison. We know that. And he's probably in Rome at this time in the Roman prison. But his point of view is, uh, as I said in 3.1, he says, I'm a prisoner of, what's it say? The Lord. He says, Christ Jesus. I'm a prisoner. And Christ, remember, is that word Messiah. That's what Paul thought. We think of Christ. We forget that it means Messiah. Here's this Jewish man saying, I'm a prisoner of the Messiah. Wait a minute. Uh, we thought you were under Roman rule and, you know, motivated by the Jewish hatred. But his point of view was, I'm, I'm a prisoner of the Lord, the Messiah. Uh, which is kind of freeing, right? I'm not a victim of these other circumstances. You, you could call it Rome. You could, you could call it cancer. But I believe God's sovereign over all of it. And he's the one that is sovereign over my entire life. So I trust him. I'm not at the whim of that madman named Nero. Nero was, was an absolute madman. He did, he, he did well in the caucuses. And <laughs> never mind that. But it's so refreshing that he, Paul says, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. And, and actually of Christ Jesus as well. So what does he say to us today as this prisoner? He says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of of the calling to which you have been called. And, of course, the big word in our text, the second word, I, therefore, Paul's referring to all that he's written in the book of Ephesians, which is describing this powerful work of Jesus to save us uh, that started before he created the earth. He selected us, we're chosen, elect before the foundation of the world. And then he pays the penalty for our sin. We're forgiven and free and pardoned and redeemed. Um, and, and it's love. It's, it's so gorgeous. I love that song we sang. We haven't sung that one in a very long time. How infinitely sweet is this love of God. Let those words mellow flavor in your mouth. We're looking at this infinitely sweet reality that God, in love, redeemed us. Uh, it, it's, let's go back to chapter 1 and look at that very quickly. At the end of verse 4, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus, Messiah, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the Beloved. And then last week's text, and we're just uh, highlighting here, last week's text had all kinds of love in it. Uh, as you can see, look at verse 14 and following of chapter 3. 
For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. So when he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, what he's saying is, this is your calling. God loves you. He paid the price for your relationship restoration. Forever and freely forgiven. Uh, and, And he says that Christ may dwell in your hearts, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend. I'm reading in chapter 3, verse 18. May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. This awesome conundrum. A conundrum is a, a statement that is like a Rubik's Cube. Kind of confusing and you can't fully really understand it. Okay? Here is a divine, given, revealed conundrum. He says, I want you to know something you can't know. You see how he has said that right there? Um, and to know the love of Christ, that surpasses knowledge. Okay, that's our journey. To understand the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So, our text today begins there. I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. We're called to this love. It is love that restored our relationship. God is, is the, the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 103, uh, says he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. But he's gracious and kind and long-suffering. What do our sins deserve? We deserve to be punished. We've earned death. We've earned anger and wrath and impatience. Right? But God is patient toward us. Long-suffering. And it's this glorious reality. Now, he says, walk in a manner worthy of that. Walk as if you understand. So how? How? Well, our our text says, uh, let me read it again, and then I'll give you my outline. Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness. You see, well, if God is gentle with us, we should be gentle with one another. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager, to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. See those words, the bond of peace? There's a play on words here. Because when Paul says up in verse 1, that I'm a prisoner of Christ, the Greek literal word is the same word. It's the same root word. I'm bound. I'm um, imprisoned. I've lost my freedom. I'm chained. I'm bound. It's the same root as the bond of peace. 
And what he's saying is, I want you to see yourself as imprisoned as a believer. This is not something light. You don't just walk away from this. You know, it's, it's not a, a short-term commitment. It's, it's a deep bonding uh, that, that we have because of the love of God for us. So here's my little outline for us today. How to walk worthy with a lowly attitude, he says, with all humility and gentleness, with loving action, which is bearing with one another in love, and then toward a long-term goal. What is the long-term goal? It is eager to maintain. I'm motivated to keep this long-term goal in mind. What is the long-term goal? Well, it's the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, which is to say, I'm unified with the body of Christ, and it's not a casual relationship. It's not like, well, if I don't like this body of Christ, I'll drop it and move on to some other body of Christ. And that's not the way to view what God has created in Christ. We, we are the body of the Messiah. Uh, and again, some of the beautiful, uh, overwhelming I call it conundrum words. I mean, deep, gorgeous words are right at the end of chapter 1. Verse 22 and 23 at the end of chapter 1 of Ephesians. You know, imagine Paul here. He's been, he's been in the Lord for um, at least a couple of decades. Let's see, uh, more like three decades, 30 years or so. He's been a, a follower of the Messiah, right? And he's been lovingly thinking about all of these things, all of these years. And he had this really unusual experience. He, he said that he was taken to the third heaven, and God revealed to him all kinds of things that he can't even describe. We've talked about this before. It's recorded in Second Corinthians. So just imagine that. That's where this comes from. That's where the deep waters come from in Ephesians. He says this in verse 22 and 23 of chapter 1. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. And this is, this is the part I'm trying to get to right now, which is his body. The church is the body of the Messiah. We're his body. He's the head. We are made one with the Messiah. The church is his body. Honestly, figure that one out. <laughs> Let's just, just say, okay, <laughs> I don't fully get that. I, you know, goodness, that's deep. Well, he says, how about this? You want deep? Listen to the rest of this, which is his body, the fullness of him. Who is he? He's the one who fills all in all. Just like, literally, blow your mind. Jesus is the one who fills all in all, infinitely powerful and deep. God in the flesh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Son, the Messiah, Christ, the Lord. He's the one who fills all in all. And the church is his fullness, and it is his body. So that's the long-term goal, <laughs> 
let's just let's just attack this too right now because I think this is so amazing. So, so work of salvation is God's work. You know, honestly, we just depend on God to save us. Oh, it, it's called you're being you be you're born again. Now, I don't know about you, but I had very little choice in my first birth, right? <laughs> Seems like I had no choice in my first birth. Well, in the second birth, being born again, being born from above, the Bible describes us as being dead in trespasses and sins, and he makes us alive in Christ. And the, like the first evidence of that is faith. I believe in God. I, and I'm made new, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This is a work of God. God made you uh, as a believer. You're, you're his production. Uh, your part was to believe and accept and receive the Lord Jesus. And that all comes because he did a work in your heart. Now, you should be saved. Oh, praise him. Hallelujah. That's what we need. That's why we try to encourage you to sing along and praise the Lord of all, right? Okay, so here's, here's another conundrum. This is what I'm driving at. It is the work of God, and yet in this text, Paul is indicating that your experience of these blessings and your experience of this bond of peace, bond of the, the Spirit, your experience of the unity of the body of Christ, your experience is conditioned on your obedience. It's this robust creation of God, but we cannot experience the robust creation of God by our disobedience. Now, see, what I'm saying is, I don't believe we can diminish God's work. He's going to do what he's going to do. It's going to be just fine, right? But we diminish our experience of it. We are isolated, alienated. We are filled with regret and sorrow because we have not been eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Who is harmed by it? It is it is the church, and it is us individually as members of the church. We are harmed by this. That's the, that's the underground motivation of this text. Paul in prison, I'm a prisoner for the Lord Christ. I'm a prisoner because I preached the gospel to you, and I don't want you to miss the kingdom of God because of your disobedience. Because you thought it was a casual thing. That's kind of the, the whole point of this, uh, this text. So let's look at my three-point outline quickly. First of all, th this lowly attitude. Uh, this is rich. This is rich right here in the text. It says this. With all humility, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. It starts with that lowly attitude. This, imagine these strong hands holding this tiny, tiny little bird. It takes gentleness and humility to be in that relationship. He says, this is how we should be 
approach each other in the church. To be humble. Well, what basis do should our humility be upon, right? Hey, I'm a sinner like you. I was only, I was saved by the grace of God. Well, by grace I have been saved through faith, and that not of myself. It's a gift of God. So I don't come like, well, I'm I'm Mr. Self Righteous, and I've got this whole thing figured out, and. Uh, I'm, I'm arrogant and haughty and impatient. No. He says, be humble. Uh, Jesus said some of the best words uh, ever. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is Matthew 11. Um, I think it's just a beautiful, beautiful piece of Scripture. And we'll get to the very end of it. In Matthew 11, uh, verse 28 and following, Jesus says these words, very familiar. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Now, I have pictured before you a yoke. Uh, and you probably know the deal. You put, put two really strong animals, like oxen, in here, and you could hook this up to a rope or a chain, and they could pull a heavy plow, uh, maybe a John Deere plow uh, that, that you know, uh, revolutionized American farming uh, back in the day, a couple of years ago. Uh, but you know, those, those oxen are submitted to the farmer, and they're in the yoke, and they're pulling hard. They're doing the will of the farmer. Jesus says, I'm wearing a yoke. I'm pulling the weight. And he says, you take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. Jesus is the best example of humility. It goes like this. Paul is saying, I want you to be submitted to the Lord. I want you to obey the Lord. By the way, I'm a prisoner for the Lord right now. And you know what? Jesus Christ, my Messiah, he was submitted to the will of the Father. He patiently bore the weight of our sin. He bore the weight, the wrath of God. He pulled hard. He plowed that hard field for us. And Jesus says, learn from me. Submit to the Father. Have faith in the Father's will and his plan. Jesus says, uh, again, reading from Matthew 11, learn from me. Yeah. Let's just pause and pray right now. Dear Father, we pray that the Spirit would help us to learn from Jesus. Teach us deeply to follow in the steps of our humble Savior who submitted to your will really hard, amazingly hard. We're so thankful that he did the heavy lifting. And we just have to trust in you, Lord, as our Savior. Amen. Learn from me. What's he say? For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Yeah. This is the first advent of Jesus. He came humbly 
to bear our sin, humbly to die on the cross, humbly to offer salvation to all who believe. Next time he he comes, he's not coming humbly. He's coming with judgment. He's coming with wrath on those who do not believe. But Jesus says, learn from me. And Paul says that's where it starts with this lowly attitude. How do we maintain unity with a, a, a patience with each other? The next phrase I want to work on is with loving actions, bearing with one another in love. Now you might think this is supposed to be a sight gag, and but it's really it, it sort of may have started that way. But the more I thought about it, it's really really interesting. What do I have here? Bearings. Okay, lots of bearings. And we're called to bear, what's it say exactly? To bear with one another. (laughs) Um, Another scripture says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, all of us here in this room, well, maybe almost all, got here through some mechanical conveyance. Some of you were able to walk here, but primarily you had a machine bring you here, right? You know what's in, and and almost all of us are still using an internal combustion engine. It's amazing. I can't even tell you how many bearings brought you here today. And and did you know that you didn't think of a bearing? Not one. Not once. You know, inside of an internal combustion engine, there are hundreds of bearings. Because there's unbelievable forces being released. And you've got to control those forces. You have to make them do what you want them to do. And the, the, the thing that bears the tension, bears the forces, bears the weight, the things are called bearings. They bear the, the weight, the forces, and they channel it. And when one bearing goes out, the whole machine starts rattling and shaking, and eventually it will self-destruct. It's a very, very bad thing. And so I think it's kind of an interesting metaphor to think about this idea, because we as people need people around us who will bear us, put up with us, and, and, and not be impatient, but to bear the forces we're putting off and help us to channel them in the right direction. Help us to please the Lord with our actions. See, this is so important because every single relationship has a promise. Every single relationship, a marriage relationship, a friendship, fellow church attenders, a church board, employees, right? You could go on and on and on. The problem is that other guy is a sinner. (laughs) And you will find this out. That guy is a sinner. Why do we laugh? Because we know the thing is, I'm a sinner too. I need patience. He needs patience. He will let you down. And sometimes it's out of maliciousness. Sometimes it's just out of ignorance. Uh, Sometimes well-intentioned, but they've hurt your feelings. They've done something wrong. And and so what is the approach? Well, 
the book of Matthew, again, in the teaching of Jesus, if you look at verse, uh, well, I meant to say chapter 18, it, it gives a, a formula, a, an approach to how to handle these things. Chapter 18, it's verse 15 and following. And so if you want to look there, Matthew 18, verse 15, Jesus says this, If your brother sins against you, immediately go and tell your friends about it. This will make the problem much worse. <laughs> and then avoid the person and continue to gossip about him until the whole community knows that he's a rat. <laughs> that's how we understand it, right? That's, how we, that's, our, that's the easier way, by the way. That's the easier way. But that's not bearing the load of that individual. He's put off some bad energy. And what Jesus says is you go, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. It's a glorious idea. It's just like the immune system in the human body. You know, when it's working right, you got some sort of evil thing <laughs> that comes into our body and our, our white blood cells find this thing out really quickly. And they immediately, right there, fix the problem. And, and most of our problems are fixed that way. Almost all. We don't even know how many thousands and thousands of problems are fixed at the lowest level in our immune system. It's the same here in the church as well. What Jesus says, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And this has a whole list of things to do. Great teaching. I advise you to read it, and we can talk about it later. But for today's sermon, let's just leave it right there. Uh, it's the idea of bearing with one another in love. In the context of the love of God, I love you enough to talk to you about this problem. And if here's, the, here's one of the other huge rubs on this. You know, list, if, it, if it helped me to bang the pulpit here, I would, but I won't do that. Give you a little break. Uh, I can't do anything so loud. People thought I did it just to wake people up. And I actually didn't, not at all. That's when I get fire extinguishers out and spray it at you. But listen to this very clearly. I, this is so important. Let's put ourselves in that situation where somebody has done something to us that uh, was wrong. And we've, we've obeyed Jesus and we've gone to them. And as much as they sincerely can, they have apologized to us. And they, they showed actual regret. They were sorry that this happened. And what are we called upon to do then? Forgive them. Let them go. Release them. But what is our, what is our evil tendency? Honestly, our evil tendency is to hold on to that thing. And we might forgive them for a while, but we're going to go back and find a shovel and dig it up and pull it out and, and look at it again and get more hurt, more angry. We're going to let it fester. And, it, you know, who are you hurting? Well, you're hurting yourself by festering on that thing that that person did. You're called to be forgiving as you have been forgiven. To be forgiving as you have been forgiven. Amen? Now let's release that. Let's let them go. 
Even Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Wow. And he says, learn from me. Learn from Jesus and let it go. All right. We have a bit more to accomplish here today. My three-point outline is how to walk worthy with a lowly attitude, with loving action, and then finally, keeping the long-term goal in mind. And I've already opened this up just a little bit. Here's the long-term goal uh, in our text of Scripture. It says, verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How will my action, how will my attitude affect the long-term goal that God has in mind and that is the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Again, there's this fragileness, there's this frailness to God's work. His work is robust and strong, but our experience of it can be damaged by what? By our lack of obedience. You will lose out if you do not obey this. You will be lonely. You will be sad. You will be filled with regret. You will miss out. I will miss out if I do not obey and have the long-term goal in mind. Now, this text is awesome. One of my favorite Greek words is in this text. It's this word, eager. I think it's used 11 times in the New Testament. Uh, the, the word is spudazo. Spudazo, the Greek verb. And we get, we, it's kind of the root word for our word speed. It means to make haste, to be kind of impatient, eager. And he says, I want you to be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I, I am motivated to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This word spudazo means to be bent upon, to endeavor earnestly. See, it's going to take work because the, honestly, the easiest thing is, I mean, it appears easy. The short-term easy is just to walk away from things. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll just buy my hot dogs at another stand. You know, <laughs> I'll get coffee at the other Starbucks because I don't like that person behind me. Well, that, that's, that's the American relationship, you know. Or, or worse, uh, you know what? This this wife is not pleasing me, so I'm going to divorce her. You know, I'll get remarried. It's no big deal. Everybody's doing it. Walk away. And God says, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. If you've been loved with an, an aggressive, eager, redeeming love, then you need to be committed to the body of Christ in the same way. Be eager to endeavor earnestly to strive to make effort. Be earnest. To be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. It will take difficult work to do that because we're gnarly and we make huge mistakes. And we need to be forgiven. We need to grow together. We need to lovingly confront each other. And we need to do this in the name of Jesus. Now, this text closes with beautiful, uh, wonderful words. Uh, and there's 
what this uh, uh, is. Oh, okay, let, let me read the text. And this is sort of like why. There's a deep down, why should we be interested in the unity of the Spirit, the bond of peace? There is, verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you've been called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Now, that's heavy. It's deep and wonderful. Uh, first of all, I want to start with the very first words which are, there is. I introduce you to, oh, I want to re refresh. That's our outline. Let's go there. We've accomplished that. How to walk worthy with a lowly attitude, with loving action, and towards a long-term goal. And the basis of this is, what is? What is real? What exists? Those first few two words, there is. And in Philosophy, there's a study called ontology. Okay? Getting a little extra bonus here today. Ontology, ontology. And it's the study of what exists. Here's the definition. A branch of metaphysics concerned with the nature and relations of being, or two, a particular theory about the nature of being or the kinds of things that have existence. So let's be ontologists for a minute. In the Holy Scripture, he's saying, I want to tell you about the kinds of things that have existence. Deep down, let's dig down deep into the foundation and find out what's down there. Well, the Bible claims that it's God who is a person who created the universe, who created you, who loved you with eternal love through Jesus Christ. And what we have here, actually, there's seven of these. Yeah, that's not probably not an accident. Uh, Paul chose seven expressions of, of oneness. And they're not like seven separate things. They all they coexist together. Forgive me if this sounds... Well, how does it sound? Possibly be uh, philosophical or theoretical. Right, But I'm just trying to say, let's take a moment and read this scripture, okay? Think how deep this is. Uh, why should we have unity? He says, well, there is one body. The Greek word there is soma. There is one body. One body of Christ. That's why we maintain the unity. There aren't several bodies. It's one Christ. One body. And that word is soma. The next phrase is there's one spirit which is the word pneuma, which I think is just cool. I'm sure Paul did too. Soma and pneuma. Uh, and, and pneuma, he's probably thinking about the Holy Spirit of God. There's one spirit. He has birthed us all. Uh, so that's why we maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. What is? What exists? What are the things that have existence? These are the things that have existence. Then he says, one hope. I put the Greek word there. Oh, wait a minute. What the heck am I thinking now? Uh, one hope is elpida, meaning we have this glorious hope together in the body of Christ. We're all expecting the kingdom to come and Christ to return and to live together forever 
uh, in, in glory with our Lord. And then there's one Lord, Kurios. This is a, no doubt a reference to Jesus Christ. He's called the Lord over and over and over again. He's our Lord Jesus. So we have, there's one Spirit and one Lord, and then he has one, one faith. There's not several faiths. Uh, ultimately, the body of Christ is one unified faith. Uh, one expression of the revelation of God. Pistos is the Greek word. One faith. And then one baptism. Uh, this is interesting because there's so many different sort of kinds of baptism in, in the church of God. But he's probably referring to the actual, real, the thing that exists. And that is that your, con your rebirth is described as being baptized into Christ. It's something that, it's a spiritual reality. Here, for example, is Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Right? This is something that we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, spiritually connected to Christ. That's how we get saved for eternity. I think that's what he's talking about when he says there, there's one baptism. We're all saved the same way. We're all in the same body. We are called to maintain that unity for our own good and for the good of the local community. And then, of course, the final thing is one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And the Greek words there are Theos, Father, and Pater. Uh, I mean, Father, Theos, God. God, one God, Father. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit seems to be uh, you know, a trinity in here. One Spirit, one Lord, one God, the Father. Now, what's Paul saying? It's, it, it, it is profound and deep. It takes a lifetime to master, but a minute to learn. But at the other hand, it's actually very simple. He's saying, why should we be unified? Why should we be eager to maintain this? Why should we bear with one another in love? Why should we have humility and gentleness toward one another? It's because let's look at what really exists. What, what really exists is the, the one body, the one spirit, the one hope, the one Lord, the one faith, the one baptism, one God and Father of all. So here's the thing. When we disobey the instruction of Scripture to maintain our relationship with each other, we are acting as if we think these foundational truths are not true. That there's more than one God. That there's more than one Spirit. That there's more than one body. More than one faith. More than one Lord. More than one baptism. You know, that's good for you, but I have my own thing over here. And, and it's a denial of what actually is. Let's pray. Father, this text and so many of these texts are stretching to our hearts and our minds. We pray, O oh Lord, uh, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, Lord. We, we want to be humble and gentle and to learn from Jesus, to bear with one another, to not uh, allow the bearing to fail, which would have a catastrophic effect on the entire organization and, and damage it for a very long time. It would damage our 
our value from it and the local expression of, of your body if we don't bear with one another in love. So, Lord, strengthen us to obey your word today. Through Christ we pray. Amen.